Hey, this is Pastor Michael Alfaro from The Calling Church. I'm so excited that you're listening to our church podcast. I pray that it blesses you and encourages your faith. The very, the very person, God, who created the heavens and the earth, who spoke and said, let there be light, and there was light, who knelt in the dust and he formed Adam, and breathed life into his lungs, who placed the stars in the sky. The same God who did that in the moment he was placing the stars in the sky, he had you in mind. He had you in mind. He had me in mind. And not only that, he had this moment in mind. Not because he wants us to just show up so that we can do church and go home. But because he wants to do the miraculous. And God is in the business of doing the miraculous. He cannot do the ordinary. He cannot do the mundane. If he does it, it is miraculous. And that same God, in the same moment when he created the heavens and the earth, when he put the earth on its tilt and spun it on its axis, he said, hey, this day, this moment, this morning, I'm going to gather my people in Pasadena, and I want to show up and do the miraculous. And I just want to take a moment and read five verses and just see what the Holy Spirit can do in our life. But please, I beg of you, lean in. I beg of you, don't just do what you always do. Because a supernatural, wonder-working, miraculous God is in this place. And he showed up to do the miraculous in your life and in mine. And if we're not careful, we'll miss the moment. So I want to read a scripture, and then I'll pray, and then I'm going to preach. And if you're cool, can you hang here? Is that good? You don't have an option now. It's too late. You're on camera. You can't leave. It'd be bad. Let me just set this up, and I'm going to try to whiz through. I got 29 minutes, so, oh, Jesus. We find our passage of scripture. It's John chapter 20. And, and, and if you're new to church, if you're new, and you're just, maybe you just happen to find the calling today online, then, then you're, you, you found the best place to be. In fact, if you're brand new to church and you're not sure what you believe, permission to belong before you believe. You're welcome here. But if you're not, not, not really familiar with the Bible, it's this amazing book that is written from the very breath of God. It's got two parts, the Old Testament and the New Testament, and both parts of the Bible hinge on the person of Jesus who just happens to be the savior of all mankind. The Bible says that he came for one reason and one reason only, and that is to joyfully crawl on the cross and take the punishment and the payment and the ransom for your sin and for mine. So we find this scripture after Jesus' death. The Bible says he was buried, as is a custom when most people die. But he promised not to stay buried. And you know the story if you're not new to church. And so the Bible says that the Marys, these women named Mary who are part of his discipleship crew, his squad, his entourage, his homies, go to the tomb because they're, they're going to anoint the body as was customary in those days. But they find that the stone had been rolled away. The angel of the Lord stands before them and says, hey, he's not here. He's risen just as he said. Because Jesus didn't just die and get buried. He resurrected. And the resurrection is the key for you and for me. It is what sealed the deal. And I just feel like God was telling me today on the drive in that that God wants to resurrect some dreams in some of you today. 
God wants to resurrect some faith in some of you today. God wants to resurrect some hope in some of you today. God wants to resurrect some of the prayers that you've stopped praying because you're tired of being disappointed. Because God resurrected Jesus. He is a resurrected king, and that's the great news for you and for me. And so the Mary's find Jesus is no longer in the tomb. He's been resurrected, but the disciples are still terrified. And they're hiding out because they don't know what's going to happen. They just watch Jesus get crucified, and they're thinking, we followed him, and surely this will be our fate too. So they're hiding out, trying to figure out what to do next. And we find this in John chapter 20. I want to read this. We'll pray and we'll dive in with 27 minutes-ish. No, that's not even true. It's 17. Let's keep going. John chapter 20, verse 24 through 29, it says, Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he, Thomas, said to them, Unless I See in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side. I will never believe. Powerful statement. I will never believe. Verse 26, eight days later that his disciples were inside again and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it on my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Let's pray. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? God, we thank you that you are here, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the maker of the heavens and the earth. And you have a desire to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or imagine. So God, right now, as individuals, not as pastors, not as leaders, not as long-term Christians, not as short. God, all of us in this room, as individuals, we lean into you in the fullness of what you want to do and speak to our lives. As we tune in online, we lean into you. We open our ears and our hearts and our minds to hear and receive all that you want to say and do. In Jesus' mighty and precious name, I pray. And everybody said... Come on, let's try that again. Everybody said, come on online, type in amen, throw in the unicorn emoji. This is the moment to do that. And amen just means I agree. And Pastor Kerry, you're extremely good looking. So thank you. I appreciate that. Let's dive into this. Look at this passage of scripture. We start with verse 24. It says, now Thomas, one of the 12, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. Called the twin. Like, think about that. Thomas called the twin. Not Thomas. He's known as the twin, which means he has a brother there that's in the crew, and he doesn't even get the luxury of being called by his name. Have you ever been in the group of friends? Maybe your name is Maria or Josh or some other name that's common, and you've got other friends that have the same name, and they call that friend by his first name, and you get called by your last name? You know what I'm talking about? Like, you, you get picked second. That's what Thomas, that's what happened to Thomas. Like, he's not even called by his name. He's called the twin. The twin. Can you imagine? Maybe some of you can, being recognized because of your family, the crew that you hang with. This is what Thomas's identity was at this point. You know, when I started dating my wife, she was two grades older than me. I was a sophomore in high school. She was a senior, so she is my cougar, and I will make that joke every time I get a chance. 
Right now she is two years older and I rub it in her face at every chance that I get. We grew up in the same church, it was a large church in Dallas and when I started dating her, it was Megan and Megan's boyfriend. In fact, when we got married, the officiating pastor called me by her maiden name, Carrie Lavorne. I like threw the mic No, I didn't really, I'm kidding. It's never fun to be recognized or identified by somebody who you're not. Thomas, the twin, this leads to comparison and inferiority. But think about this. There's another name that Thomas is known by. Maybe some of you have heard it. What's his called? What's he called? You've heard it too. Say it again. Say it one more time. Doubting Thomas for the all the annals of time, etched into the greatest book to ever be sold at Barnes and Noble. Thomas will forever be known as Doubting. Thomas, because of the passage of scripture we just read, and some of you can identify with that, for being recognized by your failures and your mistakes more than who you are. This is what he's known as, doubting Thomas, the one who doubted that Jesus was actually resurrected. Maybe you can identify with that. Maybe you, you went through seasons like I did in my life where you remembered more or you feel like people only see your faults and your habits and your hurts and your hangups. Maybe for you, you got pregnant before you were married. Maybe some of you spent some time in jail. Or maybe, maybe it's just simple if I can be transparent today at the Calling Church. For me, do you know every Father's Day I struggle? I don't wake up in the morning feeling like P. Diddy. I wake up in the morning and I just think about all, some of y'all appreciate the laughter, appreciate that. Online got that a little more than in person, but that's okay, you know, it's good. Do you know every Father's Day, there comes this moment where I just go, man, have I been a good dad? Will it be another 20 years before I see the mistakes in my Am I parenting my two girls like they're supposed to be? Am I fathering them the way they're supposed to be fathered? It seems like every Father's Day I have these moments. I know as a pastor we're not supposed to be honest like this. But I have these moments where I see the gap between where I am and where I want to be. And I see more closely and clearly the things that I used to be. And so I feel like I'm identified by my past and my mistakes. Maybe, maybe you can identify Thomas was known as Doubting Thomas, and this just leads to more and more disappointments. Or maybe you're here and you, you, you can't identify with that. Maybe you're here and you feel like you're recognized and identified for your accomplishments. Maybe for your career, your accolades, your bank account, or your possessions. And, and you feel like, man, I got this on lockdown. I'm dominating this game called life. And, and you feel recognized and identified because of the things that you've done, the things that you've accomplished, the person who you are. And, and this is okay, except for usually it leads to arrogance and pride. And you know what's so scary? Man, God can work through so many different people. In fact, if you take a moment today, here's some homework for you. Read through the book of Hebrews in chapter 11. It's called the faith chapter. And we hear the heroes of the faith, the men and women who did amazing things for God. And when you look at their life and you study their life, you realize that those people were literally messed up. 
Paul was murdering Christians before he said yes to Jesus. There was liars and cheaters and thieves. David, the Bible says David was a man after God's own heart. The only human that the Bible ever references this. A man after God's own heart. And David was an adulterer. And he murdered the husband of the wife that he cheated with to cover it up. And God says, it's a man after my own heart. And listen, I'm not advocating for adultery and murder, just so you know. We're not holding those kind of connect groups and small groups at the calling. I'm just saying, when you look at the Bible and you look at the chief characters in the scripture, all throughout time, God used messy, jacked up, imperfect people. Which is good news for you. Because you're messy, jacked up, and imperfect. Can I get an amen from the calling today? And just be honest, because some of y'all got judgmental right there. If you're here online or in person and you are jacked up, would you raise your hand right now? Now, if you really jacked up, hold it up high. Thank you. You're my people. I love you. Me too. Me too. God can work through jacked up, imperfect, messy people, but you know what God can't work through? Do you know that there's literally one thing that God's never been able to work through? It's pride. Pride. He can work with the, the, the grossest of the reprobate of sinners, but he cannot work through pride because pride says, I've got this figured out. Pride says, hey, I'll let you know when I need you. Pride says, no, God, thank you, but I'm good. So what is it that's identifying, that you are allowing to identify you right now? Is it your heritage and your family? Is it your mistakes and your failures or maybe it's your accomplishments? Your accolades? But what, what, if, what if we were recognized not by what we did in our past or what we've accomplished today, but what if we allowed ourselves to be identified not for who we are, but for whose we are. You know what I love about this passage of scripture? It's written by a man named John. That's why it's called the book of John. <laughs> you know what John referred to himself as? The disciple whom Jesus loved. He gave himself that title. Like if you were a sticker that says, hello, my name is the disciple whom Jesus loved. He gave himself the audacity. But you know what? It wasn't arrogance. It wasn't pride because we know that God can't work through pride and we know that God used John with the beautiful breath of the Holy Spirit to pin some of the most articulately beautiful scripture that you and I use in the tenets of our faith today so we know it wasn't spoken in pride and arrogance but rather an understanding that Jesus loves me. What if we could be identified as a son or daughter of the Most High God. The very moment when God said, let there be light, he had you in mind. He had you in mind. He had you in mind. What are you allowing to identify you? You ever wondered why Thomas wasn't with the disciples? I mean, he was there with Jesus. He heard his teaching for three years. Jesus said over and over and over again, the Son of Man will be torn down, but in three days I will come back, baby. That's the carry paraphrase. Don't call me a heretic. Settle down. He heard him over and over and over again. Remember, Jesus was God made flesh. 
He was there with the embodiment of love and compassion and hope and mercy. He saw God do miracle after miracle, and then he saw Jesus die on the cross, but he had to over and over and over again. Jesus said, hey, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. It ain't over three days, three days, three days, three days. Why wasn't Thomas there? You ever thought about it? Why did he bounce? I don't know, I'm not a theologian like your pastor. I, I, I can merely speculate. I, I can merely just guesstimate. But I think the reason Thomas wasn't there is because he was like, hey, it's been a good run, Jesus. Three years. I mean, I didn't think it was going to last that long. But I got to go get a J-O-B and take care of my family and my kids. I got to go back to normal. I got to get back to the way things used to be. And my greatest fear is that over the last 18 months, that Christianity has found and developed and created new rhythms of life where God is merely an accessory. See, I'm married up, right? She's an amazing woman of God. She can preach better than anybody I've ever met in my life. She loves the Lord and she is on fire and passionate for him, but she's also on fire and passionate for shopping. Y'all pray for me. And I'm a preacher. I'm broke as a joke. I need some prayers, people. Y'all think I'm joking. No, seriously, pray for me, okay? She loves to shop. You know what she does? She has like 16 different purses. Anybody know? Yeah, guys that you know, like, what is the deal with? She has a purse, and she will take things out of her purse and put it into a new purse to match an outfit. Is this, have y'all heard of this before? She has issues, y'all. She needs Jesus, and the purse, no matter how large or how small it is, it's like Mary Poppins' bag. She'll reach in there and get a fiddle fig plant out. One time she pulled out Patrick Mahomes. I was like, where did that guy come from? Unless you need a key or some gum, and then she can't find it. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Now, guys, we can't identify because we would never change our wallet to match our outfit. Mm-hmm. We'd never do that. But she accessorizes a purse with her outfits. And I think we've done the same thing with God. Let me just say it to you a different way. I think that often we treat God as Uber. We pull out our phone, pull up the app, tell God where we need to be, where we need to go, when we need him to show up. And if he doesn't show up fast enough, I'm going to check out Lyft because it's a little bit quicker and a little bit cheaper. We get in the car. We hope the music's not too loud or it's the music that we like to hear. We sit in the back. Please don't talk to me. Just take me from point A to point B. At the end of the ride, I'll give you a tip. Five-star rating, put you back in my pocket, and I'll let you know when I need you again. And I think we've done the same thing to God. He's become an accessory. He's become an Uber driver for us that we access when we think we need him. And I think that's exactly what happened to Thomas. He found himself in a place where he's like, well, Jesus, it was a good run. Verse 25, the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger to the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. I just wonder who might have walked in today, who might be tuning in online, and you walked in, you've given up hope. You've got hope fatigue. You said, I'm done praying for that. I'm done believing for that. I'm done thinking that God is big enough. I'm tired of singing the song that he's a miracle-working God. Even when I don't see it, he's working. I'm tired of singing the song because I'm just done hoping. Maybe you feel just like Thomas said, I will never believe until I see it. And I just wonder if maybe today God's trying to resuscitate some hope. Shake your neighbor and say he's trying to resuscitate some hope. Come on, shake your second neighbor and say he's trying to resuscitate some hope. 
Verse 26 says this. I've got two minutes and 37 seconds. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace, because listen, if you are hiding out in your house, and the doors and the windows are locked and shut in, and Jesus shows up, you need him to say peace, because you're going to pee your pants and be a little bit scared. I mean, let's just put ourselves in the story and not outside of the story. Are you tracking with me today? Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it on my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas said, my Lord, my God. Can you imagine what this moment would have been like? Like we read these stories. If you've been around church long enough, you just know the end already. So you just kind of jump to the end and you don't place yourself in the moment. Can you imagine being in the room with a bunch of people and Jesus shows up? Now, if I was Jesus... And I think we can unanimously say, thank God, Carrie is not Jesus. But if I was Jesus, the way I would read this story, I'd be like, where? Where's that kid? Bring that punk kid over here. Tom, see my hand? See my side? See my feet? Didn't I tell you? That's y'all, y'all tracking with me? That's how I read the story. Like, if I was Jesus, I'd be like, get over here. Shut your mouth. See my hands? I told you over and over and over and over and over again, Thomas. But I don't think that's how the story goes. Jesus shows up. I think he said, where's Thomas? Where is he? Come here. Come here. You see my hands? It's okay. You can touch it. You see my side? I know it's hard to believe, Thomas. It's okay. It's okay. This is a rough life, Thomas. It's challenging, and I I bet you were scared. I understand. I get it. I mean, the first thing he says is, where's Thomas? Come here. I mean, this is the man who we saw him get angry and fashion a whip and turn over the tables in the temple, but I don't read it that way anymore because I think Jesus was filled with compassion because he knew that Thomas was doubting. And if God can handle your sin, he can handle your doubt. He can handle your doubt. Have you ever wondered why Jesus left his scars? I cry every time I preach. I hate it. Can you stop recording for a minute? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Have you ever ever wondered why he left his scars? I mean, just take a minute and step outside. Can I have five more minutes? Okay. Step outside the story. Jesus... God made flesh. He was there when God spoke, let there be light, and there was light. Jesus walked on water. He was in a boat, and a storm was going crazy. And he stood up, and he said, peace. And the waves and the wind said, I know that voice. That's the voice of my creator. And they were peaceful. The blind would come up to Jesus and they would be healed. The lame would walk. Jesus stood at the entrance to a tomb where his best friend Lazarus had been dead for three days. And he said, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus lived. If you hadn't read this story, you would have assumed naturally that Jesus' scars would have been healed. Why didn't he heal his scars? Well, there might be multiple reasons. I think one reason is because 
Wounds need healing, but scars tell stories. It's okay, you can clap. Wounds need healing, but scars tell stories. Have you ever gotten a splinter in your finger? It's the tiniest little thing. And if it's in your finger, no matter what you touch, the biggest man will shudder. Oh my gosh. And until you remove the splinter, it won't heal, and it just hurts like crazy. But scars tell stories. Jesus didn't need scars for the proof of the resurrection. He was the resurrection and the life. But I just wonder, maybe some of you in here, you've allowed your scars to to define you, and God's saying, no, I want the scars to point to my majesty. I want to do something not just in you, but also through you. And that might be one reason why Jesus didn't heal the scars. I I don't know. I'm not a theologian. I can only speculate. I can only guess. And my guess is the reason that Jesus didn't heal his scars was just for Thomas. Just him. Because he knew that, 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 his, that Thomas would be labeled as a doubter. He knew that Thomas had given up hope. He knew that Thomas had, been, had just said, I'm done. I, it's, it's over. I've got hope fatigue. I can't pray anymore. I can't believe anymore. And I believe Jesus left the scars in his hands and his feet and his side because he knew Thomas and Thomas alone needed it. And I just believe that today God brought me from South Orange County to resuscitate some hope in somebody today. I don't know what you've been praying for. Maybe you've been praying desperately to get pregnant and you just can't seem to get pregnant. You've been believing and praying and believing and praying and you just, you get tired of it. Every time you see somebody else make an announcement about being pregnant, having a baby in a shower, you want to be happy for them. You want to be excited for them, but you can't because your heart is broken. And you're tired of praying for that. Or maybe you're here and you've been praying for a son or daughter who's been running from the Lord. Maybe it's you tuning in right now. And you're thinking, I didn't raise them that way. God, I was faithful. I was in church and I taught them the things of your word. Your word says if we raise up a child in the way they will go, they would not, when they grow old, they will not depart. And yet, God, they're old and they're running from you and your heart is broken, but you don't even know if you can believe anymore. Maybe you're facing a financial crisis. Maybe you're you're facing a health crisis. Maybe it's your marriage and you thought it's over. There's no hope. We're just cohabitating. And I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. And God, man, when are you going to do it? I don't know what you are walking through, but I believe God sent me here just to resuscitate some hope within you. To remind you that if Jesus will leave the scars in his hands simply for Thomas, then that message is still true for you today. That message is still true for you today. He leans in and Thomas walks over. Thomas believes. Why? Because he saw it. He saw God do the miraculous. And I believe because Jesus wasn't finished with Thomas and he's not finished with you today. He's not finished with you today. Thank you so much for listening to today's message. I pray that it blessed you. It's so vital to do life together. That's why I would love to invite you to the Calling Church. Bring a friend. We would love to meet you. Also, stay connected to our church via our website, the Calling Church app, or our social media. God bless you.